Please be seated. There is a Nigerian Igbo proverb, until lions have historians, the hunter will always be glorified. Back to this in a minute. John's gospel sets the crucifixion on the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, a day earlier in the Jewish calendar than the other four gospels. Why this is actually done is lost to history, but it does set a very evocative scene. The Passover tradition, as we heard last night in the Hebrew scriptures reading, involved the slaughter of a young suckling lamb for the Passover feast. This meant that on the day of preparation, the day of Jesus' crucifixion, Young lambs were taken from the mother who was suckling them. They were quite literally removed from their mother's suckling breast. This happened to thousands of young lambs across the city and the countryside near Jerusalem. Now this can seem like an insignificant detail, but a friend of mine who grew up in Wales, a land of many sheep and sheep herders, has told me about the, song, the sound that a mothering sheep makes and a lamb makes when they are separated. He described it to me as a deep, high-pitched scream, a moaning scream of horror. It apparently sounds like a banshee screaming or a ghost in the middle of the night. And this scream, it can continue for hours, throughout the afternoon, into the evening. Now, if you can imagine on this day of preparation, all across Jerusalem and the Jerusalem countryside, thousands of lambs were being removed from their mothers. Thousands crying out like screaming banshees. The screams of nursing mothers having their children stole away. All across the countryside. That was the sound that day. That was the sound that was the backdrop as Jesus carried his cross up the hill of Golgotha. The, the screams were the real backdrop as the soldiers whipped Jesus, nailed him to a cross, and left him to die. Whenever I hear this story, this story of Jesus' passion and death, I hear a story of a world that is out of control. A world that's gone off the tracks, where everything seems spinning, no one in charge. I see a world that's often not so different 
than our own. Jesus' death, it was a murder. It was a brutal murder that was inflicted by the people of God on God's son. It was the result of a collusion of a corrupt religious authorities, fearful local officials, an unjust occupying foreign government. It was the result of a very human betrayal by a friend, a Weasley government official, scared traditionalist authorities. And this unnatural combination appears to have been acted out with a great measure of popular support. In many ways, it's a result of a garden variety political situation. An individual is sacrificed in order to keep a corporate peace. Since the beginning of the world, there has been a pattern of violence within humanity, not unlike this. Some writers say it's deeply hidden within the structures of our shared existence. Since our actions in the Garden of Eden, Cain's killing of Abel, it's a structure and a pattern of violence which is so deeply exposed within our stories of the passion of Jesus. The story of violence goes something like this. There's two groups of people or two people desiring the same thing. Maybe it's a resource, maybe the love of a parent, maybe a social position of prestige or respect. Maybe it's a idea or a thought about how things should work. They're at conflict. So in order to stabilize their conflict, in order to maintain stability, oftentimes exposed in maintaining stability in systems of oppression, oftentimes with oppressors actually colluding with oppress the oppressed, a victim is sacrificed. A victim is expelled from the community and sacrificed. Now those two opposing parties, they have a common enemy. They've been united. They teamed up and blamed their conflict on a third. They're united through murder, murder of the innocent. But they've bought a counterfeit peace through the murder of an other. That peace won't last. The cycle continues. They must eventually kill again, maybe in a new way, in order, to, in order to continue to stabilize their corrupt system. This murder could actually be putting someone to death. It could also be social ostracizing, or it could be a destruction of reputation, or it could be the diminishment of personhood. We see it here with Pilate, the Roman authority, Herod, the local the local civic leader, and the religious authorities. They're at conflict. They unite around Jesus. They sacrifice him. 
After the end of Reconstruction in the United States, we saw it in the South. Rich whites and poor whites, in order to be unified, they find a scapegoat. African Americans freed slaves. Jim Crow lynchings. They found another in order to have peace. We see it in American politics. The right, they did it with Obama. The left is now using Donald Trump. We know it, gossip. Let me talk to you about this other person. You and I will become closer. We'll expel a third. This pattern, it occurs again and again and again. The sin since the foundation of the world. You and me were complicit in these systems. We benefit it. Our economy, our welfare depends on it based on the execution. We live it in our lives all the time. We know the sin participating on small scales and large scales. In this way, you and I, we've all murdered Jesus. You and I, we're the ones who executed the Son of God, who said, crucify him, crucify him. In a few moments, we're going to bring out the large wood cross. On Good Friday, we gaze on the cross of Christ. In the words of the anthem, we glory in your cross, O Lord. This isn't about guilt or contrition. It's actually about our identity. Our identity as Christians, as the people of God. The cross is a sign of who we most deeply are. As Christians, we're the people of the cross. And that's because we see the world through the eyes of the cross, through the eyes of the crucified Christ. The cross draws us and our attention to see the world through God's eyes, through the eyes of the victim, the eyes of the one who was murdered, through the eyes of the one who suffers the victim which our systems of violence has expelled. To return to the proverb I began with, we are to be the historians of the lion. Because see, these systems of violence, they become unraveled. They become unraveled by the cross. When you and I can see the world through the eyes of the victim, through the eyes of the one who suffered, through the one who lost, we become free. We become free to understand, to relate to the world in a new way. We know liberation.
liberation that frees the world. We can see the deep lie at the foundation of our society, of our world, that sometimes even been at the foundation of our church. Through identity, identifying with the cross of Christ, we enter into the joy, the joy of being wrong. The joy we realize through being tried and convicted by the cross of Christ, through standing with the victim, through standing with the victim, we find the freedom of life. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, we find life. We can stand with the outcast, with those who suffer. We can stand with the victim. We can stand with the loser. Because we know, we know what happens next. We know about the victory the victory we celebrate on Easter, the victory that out of that place of rejection comes life. We glory in your cross, O Lord, and praise and glorify your holy resurrection. For, the, for by the virtue of your cross, joy has come into the world. Amen.